Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Welcome back to the Brain Care Podcast. Guess who's back with us again? None other than James Rouselidge. Now, he is basically the perfect guest for Brain Care Podcast because apart from being a founder who's transparent about his mental health, he's also a writer of a brilliant book published by Penguin called Mental Health at Work, which we're going to focus more on today. So, James, obviously, if people want to hear more about your journey, they can go back and listen to that last episode. We're focusing on your new book. So tell us all about it. Give us like the elevator pitch of how important it is to read mental health at work and and who you think it's for in the work environment specifically. Yeah, I'd say the book's for anyone with a curiosity or an interest to to their mental health and how their mental health might relate to their working environment. So if you work and you have mental health, which we all do, then I, I do think the book can be for you. I wrote it as a, you know, to be a very easy to read, no jargon, hopefully relatable, honest kind of guide, handbook and series of inspirational stories to help people talk more comfortably about mental health at work and learn about mental health at work as well. It's an area where we have little education and little knowledge and has long been stigmatized. So yeah, the book's designed to be a kind of an easy read, a pretty short read, something you can pick up, put down, and can be a bit of a guide and a a source of support also for your mental health journey in the workplace, whether that's you sharing more about mental health with, say, a manager or a colleague, or if you are in a position to impact your company's culture around mental health, what steps you might take as well. So I know that you publish regular blog posts as well as, you know, LinkedIn and your newsletter and you and I are often liking and commenting on each other's mental health posts. But what is it that sort of triggered you into finally writing that book? Because you and I have a different perspective on this, which is, you know, that I'm scared to start writing that book because I'm like scared of the amount of work that it will actually take to do it, whereas you've dived straight in. Well, I got asked. That, that's the that's the first thing, if I'm totally honest. You know, I got asked to do it by a, a really reputable publisher in Penguin, and I was delighted to be asked. I love to write. So, you know, I've been writing for a long time, newsletters, blog posts, the lot. So I enjoy the practice. And then also I had the opportunity to, you know, I had the time. Just hired a CEO for Sanctus. I'd transitioned out of, of being in, involved in the day-to-day running of the business and was also feeling pretty anxious about what the hell I do next. And it just felt like a really good time to write something that distills everything I've learned over the last five years. Like we, We've come such a long way in the last five years in mental health. And it's so easy to be frustrated about where we are because there's, you know, there's still a lot of suffering. There's still a lot of people who feel like they can't open up. There's still really low access for people to get support. Um, So there are still loads of problems and challenges in mental health in the UK and beyond, but we have come a long way and there's a lot of lessons to learn and there's, there's a lot to be said. So I also felt good about, you know, hopefully giving some, some ideas and some inspiration and, and hopefully a bit of hope for like what you can do and what, 
is being done in the workplace around mental health because there is a lot of good stuff going on. You know, the reason I started writing a newsletter like you, actually, and I think we might have started a similar time. One of the things that I started writing it for was that imposter syndrome of feeling like I didn't have the credible knowledge in the space to become an influence in the space and to be talking about it and that the practice of writing regularly would help solidify that, you know, that sort of repetition, creating new neural pathways, forcing me to learn and back up what I'm saying from a point of credibility. Those are sort of the reasons why I started it, but I'm so interested to hear your own steps to starting writing. I procrastinated getting started writing my book for months because I didn't feel credible enough to write it. You know, even with a pretty established business in Sanctus that partners with hundreds of like brilliant businesses, like some of the biggest brands in the world, you know, we've got some incredible skilled, talented, well-recognized practitioners who work for Sanctus. And, you know, I started that business to actually write myself about mental health, basically because I don't have a doctor in front of my name or a series of initials after my surname. I really battled with that. And any good therapist or coach will have a supervisor. And we've got a supervisor for Sanctus who supervises all of our coaches. So I actually went to see her and like, and basically for a supervision session, because I was like, if I'm going to write something on mental health, you know, I feel like I need some support to make sure what I'm going to write is safe and ethical and and I, and I opened up about, you know, not feeling credible. And it's funny because she actually got me to see that what I was feeling is what everyone feels in mental health. It's like, oh, I, sh- I can't talk about it because I feel like I might get it wrong or I'm not qualified. And it, it was like a bit of a like eureka moment because I thought, I feel like everyone does in writing this book. You know, if you're a manager and you need to check in with someone in your team because you're worried about their mental health, you know, you're worried about getting it wrong. So it was really, it was a really interesting like meta thing going on. And she just helped me see that my credibility is in my ability to tell a story and the fact that if I write something, often I can write it in a way that people can relate to and people can listen to. So so she helped me, it helped me find my voice in it. So that's how I got over, I suppose, the hump with the book in particular. I think before then, when I was writing a newsletter regularly and I've, you know, I've obviously written a load of content, whether LinkedIn or online or newsletters, the discipline definitely helped. And I know that's something you've done really well. I've actually gone off the boil on it, to be honest. For a while, I had a newsletter that went out every Tuesday morning at 9am. Like if I had to write it at 8am Tuesday morning, I would write it and it would go out. If I had nothing to say, I would write, I've got nothing to say. You know, I, I forced myself to write and that really helped me find my voice because I think in writing, that's the biggest thing. It's it's finding that authentic voice that's you. So I think discipline and practice is really, really important. And another shout out for journaling. It's a brilliant practice because it's, again, it helps you find your voice and it helps you write and it helps you become more confident in your words. So yeah, I couldn't, I literally couldn't recommend journaling enough. Like I absolutely love it. Let's talk a bit practically then for people who are at work, whether that's remote or in real life. How do we practically take steps to ensure we're becoming more comfortable talking about mental health at work? You know, where does that responsibility lie? How can we all play our part? What have you learned in like the right way to approach this? 
Yeah, I think the, the the first point on responsibility, what what I feel pretty convinced on is your mental health is your responsibility. Businesses don't exist to make people happy. They exist to achieve a purpose in the world. And we've all learned that if people are happy, they're more likely to achieve that purpose. So a business has a responsibility to create an environment where people can be happy <laughs> and the business isn't toxically making them unhappy but a business cannot control how people feel just like I can't control how you feel and you can't control how I feel like there's a lot of expectation that my company should make me happy which is dangerous to be honest because we're, we're giving our power away well you know we're saying like we're expecting someone else to make us happy I think the first thing people can do whether it's inside outside of work is, is prioritize their mental health in whatever way you want to do that, whether it's go for a walk, whether it's get a therapist, get a coach, start journaling, whatever you feel drawn to, and people intuitively know, do it and, and start to prioritise your mental health. Because when people do that, and we, I've seen this time and time again, it naturally ripples into the workplace because we spend so much time at work. If I'm really looking after myself and I'm, I'm in a good resource place, I'm present, I'm more available to support others because I'm feeling full up. And also you will naturally inspire others. People will say like, what's going, like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? How come you're glowing? How come you've got a spring in your step? Or if something's really impacting me, like say I started a yoga practice and I do yoga every day, I'll tell people, I'm like, I'm doing yoga every day, you should try it. And, and that really impacts the communities we're in. There's obviously lots of practical things that, you know, one can do at work to, to kind of start to instigate that more. You know, you can create a Slack channel on, on mental health so people can share stories about mental health. You could take the first 15 minutes of a meeting to check in with someone. But, but actually, it starts right with the person. And if it starts there, the change happens at work. When you tell someone who is deeply struggling, let's say, and work is a big contributing factor to that, and you say to them, you need to take responsibility of how you feel, it can sound like it's your fault that you feel like that. I'm not suggesting that. And one of the things I, I try to make very, very clear in the book is we all have a relationship with work. There may be a lot of things in the environment at work that are causing stress and anxiety. And the workplace can bring in new policy changes, new product changes, new people that can alleviate some of that. They might do that, though they might not. You could ask for that, you could state what you need, you could share that feedback, and still it might not change. So I think what I want for people is a real awareness that we all have mental health all of the time. We're not going to get to this end state and we're going to constantly be in flux responding to our environment, of which work is one environment that a lot of us spend our time in. And I just want people to be really aware that that will constantly be going on. There's always going to be a relationship with a manager or a manager's manager or the culture at work. And people have to take responsibility for their part in that and their emotional response and find ways to support themselves and also find ways to contribute to the environment that we are all creating together in the culture at work. So 
it's just really hard to hear if you are working in a workplace environment where you feel powerless. That's when it's really difficult to hear because that it sucks, to be honest. And and there are a lot of people that feel like that. You know, they're a big cog in a big machine that is overworking them, burning them out. They're feeling all those feelings. And even if they know that they're the only person that can feel better, that works, I'm going to make them feel better. You know, maybe you still need to pay the bills and you need a job and that's painful. For anyone who's listening to this, struggling with their mental health at their workplace, what are your top three tips that they can take away from this? Number one would definitely be find some form of support for yourself in, in something that, you know, you, feels possible, feels accessible, doesn't feel too scary, but feels like something new. I've always wanted to try. The second one, I think, when it comes to work, people people can often dramatize what the conversations about mental health need to be. We, we imagine this big conversation with our manager where we're going to like, it's going to be like, duh, 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 like, you know, it's all going to come out and doesn't have to be like that. Your manager doesn't have to be the first person you talk to, your boss, the CEO, the founder. I think what people can do is really think about who who you feel safe and comfortable talking to. So forget who you're closest to or who should you talk to, who you feel safe and comfortable. And then finally, it's like most businesses do have some form of mental health support going on these days. You know, if you don't engage with it, then it's kind of you know, you've got to contribute. Like community is built at work when we when we contribute. So if there's someone in HR that's worked their arse off to get this resilience training in, but then like no one actually goes and no one shows up, then, you know, you aren't contributing to their efforts. In most workplaces now, there's something there. And I think you can, you know, find it and engage with it. And again, like you said, it could just be another step in the right direction, even if it's not the end result. Love it, James. Thank you so much for your time. Where can people find the book and follow you on social? Uh, LinkedIn is the best for me on social. It's pretty much the only only one I use, to be honest. Um, so yeah, James Routledge on LinkedIn. And then the book is available at all major retailers. So Amazon, Waterstones, Foils, Bookshop.org, I think. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, mate. Great to chat. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain food to get your free score from one to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next week.